The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. That comes straight out of the Word of God, and we want to look at Proverbs 11 today. Again, we talked about it yesterday. Chapter 10 starts with just collection of 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 these proverbs, and sometimes it's just a couplet, and sometimes it's a comparison with three or four couplets, but I believe you will be blessed, and as you read through these proverbs, you will get some wisdom. Matter of fact, it starts off chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. God is a God who loves truth and honesty in business, no matter, in other places as well. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper with you. And it's our treat to share every day, Monday through Friday, from Exploring the Word. And then Monday through Thursday, we go through a book. And on Friday, we have Fire Away Friday, where we answer questions. And so, Alex, Proverbs chapter 11 has a lot of wisdom in it, brother. Well, clearly. And God does seem intensely interested in integrity and right behavior, doesn't he? He does. And, And it shows all through here. But it's amazing what it does. It goes from a balance of abomination, a false balance, and a just weight. And then verse 2, when pride comes, then comes shame. And with the humble is wisdom. So you better get ready. I don't, I'm don't. i going to say it, and you might disagree. You better get ready to turn on a dime uh, when, you, uh, when you read these Proverbs. In other words, you hear that about business. What else is he going to say? And the next thing he talks about is pride. But, Alex... Yes. Do you think it might have a connection between pride and doing it your way rather than God's way? Well, yeah, uh, that that's true. And But I like the eclectic nature of these. I really do. Because remember, was it uh, Ephraim's men that were collecting Solomon's Proverbs? Hezekiah. Hezekiah's men. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hezekiah's men. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, we don't know, I mean, obviously all the words in the Bible are what the Holy Spirit of God wanted in there. But it's almost like this is kind of like um, a compendium of God-ordained wisdom that was collected. And it is, like you say, turn on a dime, a little bit eclectic. But um, things that are affirmed, like righteousness, integrity, industry, uh, you know, being forthright, things that are condemned and warned against, dishonesty, a false balance. Um, I, I love verse 3, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Integrity and guidance. See, you know, it's amazing, like I've heard you say, and this is just brilliant, when you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. You just told the truth. I've heard you say that, haven't you? Yeah, I do. And when you have a memory like mine, you better do it. <laughs> well, well, and integrity, I don't have to know every potential life situation. Uh, I'm going to do, to the best of my ability, what is honest, biblical, and godly. That's my guide. And, and that prepares me for any situation. So um, back to something we said earlier, you know, Truth is is not complex, uh, but goes on. It says in verse four, and boy, this is true. It Riches, is powerful. I've got this one underlined and marked. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> well, riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Okay, the day of wrath, Bert. I, I take that to mean the day that we stand before God. I do. I believe it's the day of judgment. And, uh, Judgment Day, yeah. Yeah, ju- uh, that riches. Have you ever seen a hearse pulling a uh, trailer U-Haul no. full of goods? No. Uh, like, you can't take it with you that way, can you? The earthly no. things, you don't take it with you. Well, and do you know what? Um, riches cannot uh, bring you away from your own mortality, right? 
I mean, now, maybe riches can postpone it a little bit, but all people die and all people are judged. That's Hebrews 9.27. Now, when you're a born-again believer, you accept that Christ paid for your sins and you've passed from judgment unto salvation, from death unto life. But, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Wealth, power, fame, riches, it's not going to help anybody avoid their own mortality, and it's certainly not going to absolve anybody from answering to God one day. That's why we need to turn to Christ and be saved. Get right with God and stay right with God. Now, verse 5 and 6 talk about the righteousness and the wicked. It's very plain. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. Uh, You know, it's building weight. Wickedness builds its own weight. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be taken by their own lust. Now, what really got my attention with these two verses is their own wickedness and their own lust. In other words, yeah. you're, gonna, you, you're buying what you have. That's yours. You're going to be stuck with it. And your money is not going to get you out of that. Uh, your position, just like no, uh, no money is not going to buy your way out of the judgment, your position, there's no position that guarantees you being right with God for as a position in this world, Alex. No. Well, verses uh, 9 through 12, well, before I get there, I, I want to pull something out of uh, 7 and 8. When a, when a wicked man dies, his expectations shall perish, and the, but the hope of unjust men perishes. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked comes in his stead. All right. When a wicked man dies, his expectation, there's so much in the word expectation. Any plans he had, it's over. Um, any uh, legacy. You know, Bert, we've all known people that died, and it's been said, Jay Strack, the great youth speaker Jay Strack, said everybody in life will either make a mark or leave a scar. Yep. It, it, isn't that something? It is. And, and it says in the Bible that a great name, a good name is to be treasured rather than great riches and you know Bert uh, there are always celebrities that are passing away and very often they'll talk about you know their contributions to art or music or something like that Um, listen the the only expectation that really counts whether it's the hope you have in your heart or the the legacy and the memories you leave behind it's in Jesus it, and the the amen. hope of unjust men perishes. Amen. And him alone. If you look at that, you verses three all the way through eight has eternity in mind. Now there's some immediate consequences, but what it really dwells on is eternity. Are you ready for eternity with God? Or are you going to have eternity without God? Uh, you know, which place will it be? Will it be heaven yeah. or hell? And so here the. The psalmist, uh, excuse me, Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, has given us that righteousness, the way of the Lord, uh, is the way of hope, not just now, but in eternity. Well, Alex, let me read verse, are you all right in reading 9 through 11 here and then go on? Let's go 9 through 12. Okay, we'll do. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Now, when I was reading that, I, you know, I'm always trying to outline or group and put it together. Really, verses 9 through 11 especially, but verse 12 as well. It kind of goes with it, but stands alone. It has both because it, re- it brings in the next uh, item in 13 and goes back. But it's talking about society. Notice it says the city, two different things, and it goes well. In other words, having righteousness, having the blessing of God in your life, is good for a society, Alex. It's not just good for the individual. It's gr- it's good for those people in the community, in the society, in the in that nation. So righteousness is a blessing, and righteous leaders, righteous individuals, they bring blessing to the whole community. Oh, amen. You know, I think it's interesting that nine, ten, eleven, and twelve talk about neighbors and cities. 
in 9 and 12, you've got the one about how you relate to your neighbor. In 10 and 11, you've got the righteous impact on a city and the wicked. You know, talking about the expectation or the legacy or the hopes of the wicked. I mean, think about this. In verse 10, it says that uh, when the wicked perish, there is shouting. Could you imagine jubilation? It's literally, in the Hebrew, the word jubilation. I mean, very sad that people would celebrate if if you died. Uh, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. That's very much like Proverbs 14.34, that righteousness exalts a people. But the blessing is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. But we're seeing that in our own times. I did... Um, a pre-record. I've got the the privilege tonight. I'll be on the Hamilton corner, six to seven Eastern, five to six Central, and so forth. Uh, and I, we did a pre-record of uh, the Hamilton corner that'll air Friday night. And uh, Jeff McIntosh helped me. But I was interviewing a, a Washington um, ethics committee helper, and just some of the the dishonesty reported to be going on in our nation right now. I mean, it's disheartening, but it's frankly troubling. And so we need to pray for righteousness among our leaders. Uh, Proverbs warns us that unrighteousness, wickedness, dishonesty, uh, greed, uh, these things will destroy not only a person, these things unrestrained can destroy a nation. Exactly. And that's what this is getting to. And so it's wisdom. Notice what he talked about earlier. He had talked about the upright, the wisdom, and it has blessings that are immediate and eternal. Let's get to verse 13. Got about a minute left. May get to 14. A tellbearer reveals secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit conceals a matter. You know, you know when to hold your tongue and when not to, Alex. Let me just put it that way. Uh, you know, I, I say this quite a bit. I can pray for someone when I don't know how have to know all the details. I, I don't care, uh, somebody, well, if you heard, you need to pray for oh so-and-so because if you heard what they're doing, and I honestly, I, I cut people off a lot of times, and I say, you've told me enough. I know enough to pray already. And uh, sometimes you don't need it. And uh, no, not only, guess what? If you don't have ears to hear the tailbearer, it dies with him. <laughs> wow, that's really good. Well, this is Exploring the Word. We are in Proverbs chapter 11. We're going to continue going through the Word of God. Proverbs 11, if you can turn there, or at least stay with us and listen, follow along. Then we get to questions and we open up the telephones. So here's that number, 888-589-8840. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Pete Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary of the United States. He serves as the principal advisor to the United States on issues regarding transportation. Proverbs 3, verses 23 and 24 reminds us of God's protection in our travels. Then you will go safely on your way, and you will not hurt your foot. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. As you lie there, your sleep will be sweet. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Pete Buttigieg as he oversees and advises on transportation in our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says there's nothing inherently wrong with wealth depending on how we seek it and what we do once we have it. He'll talk about some important warning signs today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. So to gain in life or to lose in life is to determine whether these two realities are present. That is, am I seeking when I get up in the morning to live a life that day that honors the presence of God. Is pleasing God my top priority? Contentment means to be at ease on the inside 
regardless of circumstances on the outside. It means to be okay where I am until I get to where I want to go. We have to have a steward's mindset that marries godliness and contentment and does not let the desire to be rich cause us to fall in love with the enemy of God. Because loving money is the enemy of God. And when the spiritual is secondary to the material, then money has become your source, your talent has become your source, your education has become your source, and once they're your source, that's an idol, and once you have an idol, the true God backs away. No matter how much you go to church and how much you pray. Learn how to keep money in its place and God in His. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Psalm 27, 4. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, somebody might ask the question, in what way is a faithful, honest person like a doorpost. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper here. We're in Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, Bert, I love architecture. And every now and then I'll be like in an older building. I was up in Virginia about a month ago, and I was in this old courthouse building that, oh my goodness, the doors were heavy, solid, hardwood, and that they close with just such a, a satisfying, solid sound. It just seemed so firm and, you know, un, unmovable. All right. Verse 13 of Proverbs 11 says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. And the word faithful, you might say faithful, well, true to my friend, is the word for a doorpost, as solid as a doorpost. Not going to budge, not going to pass on gossip. I'm just as trustworthy as the post in the house, you know? And I just think that's interesting. If we're going to be of a faithful spirit, um, for God's glory, we ought to be trustworthy, solid as a doorpost. Amen. Great word, Alex. I'm glad you brought that out. I did not see that earlier, but that is strong. And, And again, let me just share with you, this is... So important. Be be a guy that is trustworthy with the information you have. Uh, sometimes it is very important to share, and sometimes it is not. Ask for God's wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you through the Word of God. And, and I think He can, because uh, if if you're in church life and people put you down for a recommendation, they want to say, "Hey, Bert, would you mind me putting you down for a reference?" and and I, I do, and a lot of times I'll ask the people who want, I said, ask me questions, and I'll do my best to give the honest answer. And so it, so be careful. Uh, don't be the one that spreads it all. Don't be one that's known yeah. as a gossip. God, God really condemns that. Then verse 14 talks about counsel. I couldn't help but relate these. Here you got a talebearer, and then you have counsel. In other words, who are you going to go for counsel? Are you going to go to a person that will spread it everywhere? No, you're going to go with somebody that you got some confidence in. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Mm. And, and Alex, I know that's the truth, but I think there's a— According to who the counselors might be, do you think there's a little addendum to that uh, that proverb? <laughs> well, you know, I, I've said this when I've done father-son retreats. Uh, you know, young men, I tell them growing up, I mean, you're going to need uh, a, a good dentist. You're going to need a CPA. You need to always be in a good local church. But I, I think as we grow up, we learn this. You need uh, one or two or three men in your life 
that are they hold you accountable, they encourage you, but they can give you confidential feedback when you need it. Amen. Bert, I've got to tell you this, and I'll be very brief. But you know, for a long time, I did this show. Angie and I had a house that was right beside the railroad track, and I'm, I mean right beside. It was a 123-year-old farmhouse that, um, I mean, you could have gently tossed a rock and hit the railroad track. And sometimes I'd be on Exploring the Word, and the train would go by, and you would hear it. And so this is about two years ago. I've got a pastor friend, and I said, um, confidentially, just pray for us. We're thinking about you know, downsizing, going to sell the old farmhouse and maybe get something, you know, a little smaller with less yard to mow. But I said, but we're just praying about it. So please don't tell anybody. He said, oh, I won't. I won't. All right. Literally, literally later that day, I was down at the store in the heart of Pleasant Garden. Somebody said, I heard you're selling your house. (laughs) And so I have learned that in the multitude of counselors, that pastor friend, I love him, but maybe he's not the one I'm going to share confidential stuff with. Uh, but, sounds like it. Hey, Alex, Bert, I got a good biblical thing there. Let me add that yeah. and say what yeah. you're saying. Rehoboam, when it was time for Solomon had died and it was Rehoboam's time to go to the kingship, he went to some counselors, but yeah. he listened oh, yeah. to the wrong ones. The older ones said, you know, your dad taxed the people. He was building. He put a lot on me. Better let up. And the younger men said, man, no, don't stop. Add to it. He took the younger men's advice. There's counsel. But it was bad advice. So that's the reason I said you put an addendum to that. You better, as you said it well, Alex, in your life, you as you go, you'll find those people that you can rely on to be that confident counselor that will help you, challenge you, and keep things tight between you and he. Well, and you know, the the word counsel there is really a variation of the word direction. You know, um, isn't it true that sometimes in life you need somebody to help you sort through something like that? And the multitude of counselors um, very often, and I'll tell you what else will give you clarity. If you've got a decision, you just don't know how to make a decision a prayer, a lot of prayer, and a good night's sleep. Haven't haven't you felt that yeah. in trying to make a, a hard decision, uh, the Lord will use a good night's sleep to help you too. It, 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 what is it? Halt uh, when you're hungry, uh, angry, angry, and lonely uh, it, or tired. Tired. Uh, better better put a hold on it and say that, Alex. We're going to have to hurry if we're going to get close to it. But I wanted. I, I still think what you find in verse 15 is a warning that he said before, co-signing with someone, surety, yes. be careful. But in verse 16 and following, there's a good bit to say about living life, and it, it turns to, I, I want to read verse 16, and then I want to read verse 22, and you come back and you fill that in. A gracious woman retains honor. Okay, I'm going to stop there. But look yeah. down at verse 22. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. I, yeah. I would say what a contrast, man. A woman, yeah. a, a, a gracious woman who, who retains honor. Uh, holds on to it. Yes, holds on to it. That is very impressionable, and it's helpful. But that woman who is, has lacks discretion, no judgment, no wisdom, it's uh, Solomon. He really put it. He said it's like having a ring of gold in a swine snout. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't make the pig any more. Uh, yeah. I would say clean or pretty, does it? Well, we live in a time of of explicitness, and there's not a lot of modesty or self restraint anymore. And uh, it's uh, it's dehumanizing it really is verse 17 is such just good practical wisdom the merciful man does good to his own soul but he that is cruel troubles his own flesh the wicked work a deceitful work but to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward as righteousness tends to life verse 19 so he that pursues evil pursues it to his own death Bert. 
This is just good practical stuff. We need to be merciful because someday we're going to need mercy. You know, we need to be loving. Uh, We need to be gracious and godly to people because someday we're going to be in a position we're going to hope that people would treat us the same way. Uh, They that are of a froward or perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. Very often I've felt led to pray, Lord, make my ways pleasing in your sight. And it says that it's a delight to God if you're upright, uh, your ways pleasing in his sight in verse 20. Alex, verse 20 needs to be underlined for us. Oh, yeah. Everyone who is listening, if you have your Bibles, as such or as blameless are upright in their ways are his delight. What? Don't, man, that's what we want. We want him to be delighted in our lives and our choices that he, we could be like Job when God says, have you considered my, uh, you know, child Job? Have you considered my servant Job? Alex, uh, I, I find that that the Lord had delight in Job. We can be that person that God could find delight in us as well when we do that, aren't we? Well, exactly, uh, that we would be a delight to the Lord. Now, it's interesting, verse 21 is connected to verse 15. Verse 15 talks about not being surety for a stranger, and there, sometimes in the old King James they talk about striking hands. It's like, okay, let's make a deal here, uh, you know, shake on it or whatever. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Listen, people make uh, a deal under the table or they do something in secret or here, uh, look, you got my back, I'll watch your back as well. See, God knows it. And you can cut any deal you want, but if you're acting unrighteously, ultimately verse 21 is saying God, God will deal with you about that eventually. He will. Now, let's go back in and look in history of the Bible. The kings that struck a deal with foreign kings, it usually ended in disaster because that's what this is referring to. This goes all the way from two individuals all the way up to two nations, Alex. Be careful that hand-to-hand, you know, coming into agreement. The Bible says, can two walk together? unless they be agreed. And and when you're that's the reason it says be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You're you're walking to a different rhythm, you're living to a different value. So be careful about joining up hand in hand uh, coming into a contract with someone uh, that is way off from what you know God has as a standard. So this is a great warning, isn't it? Well, it is. Now, in verse 23, here's the thing. Uh, The day that you'll meet God, do you long for it or do you loathe it? I mean, is is facing God one day an expectant joy or an averse terror? The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Bert, I've shared the gospel with people that were headed to hell, and they knew it. And, and, you know, the idea of facing God one day was was unsettling, and it should be. But look, if you're a born-again believer, it's like that song, Is this the crowning day, glad day, glad day, and I will see my friend. Isn't that something? Amen. The desire of the righteous is good. See, we're going to see God one day if you're a believer, and you'll meet him unashamed. Uh, verse 24 is speaking of generosity. There is he who scatters. And yet it increases. And there is that withholds more than is appropriate, and yet it tends to poverty. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, and and he blesses. Uh, Give, and it will be given back into you. Let me see. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Um, Men will pour into your lap. Yeah, that's... uh, that's a principle, okay? That's a principle that you need to live by. And uh, so here it is in Proverbs. Isn't it amazing how many of these Proverbs, we, we jump ahead to the New Testament and say, hey, there, there that same principle is shared, but in a different word. But it's the yeah. same principle, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, as you look at, like, verse 25, 26, and 28, 
all right, here's the thing. You don't trust in riches, but yet if you're generous and godly, he will prosper you. The, the, the lib- King James says the liberal soul, this is not theological or political <laughs> liberalism, it's generosity. Yeah, in it, the King, New King James, it's generous soul. Yeah, liberality in your giving. Yeah. But the, the generous soul will be made prosperous, verse 25. The King James says made fat. I must be liberal because I'm fat. But <laughs> says the liberal soul will be made fat. He that waters shall be watered also himself. Is that a beautiful thing? It is. And, oh. and it should. <laughs> it, it should touch our, he touches not our mind, but only, but our heart also. You see that in yeah, this yeah. writing, Solomon is looking for knowledge, but also for a response, Alex. And, and yeah. that's, that's good. I'll just say that's good teaching. That's what we want. We're not just looking for somebody to know knowledge. We're looking for people to find out what the Word says and then to respond to it toward God. And I see Solomon doing that in this writing. Amen. Well, you know what's interesting? Uh, This is just amazing. There was a film in 1960 called Inherit the Wind. Do you remember that? I do. I remember that. Burt Lancaster. I think it was. uh, uh, Really about Darwinism and, and evolution. But it goes down there, and it says in verse 29, He that troubles his own house shall inherit the wind, but the fool shall be the servant to the wise of heart. You know, there's so much about trusting in God, following God, obeying God, and being selfless, serving others. But look, the the greedy, the dishonest, um, what legacy are you going to really leave? None. What are you going to do that lasts? You're going to inherit the wind. What what a poetic word. But see, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, for the godly, says your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Isn't that something, yeah. Bert? I think we're going to be very surprised who lived a life that mattered and a life that lasted. Amen. Don't, grasping the wind, you get nothing. Go after that which is real. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Uh, you see that all the way. Jesus Christ, do you see that? And he who wins souls is wise. When we share and when we help people, when we win them and try to see, let them see the Lord, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the wicked and the center, sinner. You see that as obvious as you can be. The righteous will be recompensed on earth. We get rewards now, Alex. We don't have to wait. It is sweet by and by, but we get rewards now, and uh, so we want to do that. We're going to take phone calls, and that number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love to hear your question today. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead, but they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. Preborn celebrates that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Roe has been responsible for the slaughter of over 63 million babies. Now the decision to abort a child will be left in the hands of the states, and sadly, abortions will continue in the most liberal states. Over the past 16 years, Preborn has positioned their clinics in the top abortion cities where 50% of abortions occur. Preborn's work of saving babies' lives continues at an even greater level as they save babies' lives and defend their centers from the radical hate groups who want to shut them down. 
Preborn's response is dependent on you, the pro-life community. Be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. $28 sponsors one ultrasound and $140 will help to rescue five babies' lives. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Project Veritas has publicized an undercover video of Jordan Tristan Walker, Pfizer's director of mRNA scientific planning, saying the company is exploring intentional mutation of the SARS-CoV-2 virus through directed evolution in order to develop future vaccines. He said it will be a cash cow for Pfizer for years to come. Intentionally create increasingly dangerous viruses so you can produce vaccines for the viruses you've created for profit? Pfizer wouldn't do that, would they? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm holding a couple of letters here, and we're going to go to phone calls, but I've got a letter from Terry. I've got a letter from Joseph. I have got another letter here uh, from New Mexico, Texas, Maryland, Laurenburg, North Carolina. These are people, Bert, that are incarcerated and yet they listen to us. And men, I can't read every letter on air, but I do read and pray over every letter. Uh, I can't name every name on air, but it says, um, God has laid it on my heart to reach out to you. You're such a blessing. We listen to Exploring the Word. Here's one. It says, God bless you, Alex and Bert, your humble servant, Terry. Uh, Guys, we pray for you, and the fact that you would listen wherever you're listening— and I, I, we can't name every name in every city and every facility, but you are loved, guys, you're valued, and we're praying for you. And the fact that you would write to us, it really does mean the world to us. It really does. And speaking of that, we got an email from uh, Crystal who talked about her being a Christian. And he, uh, her dad is a Christian and is in prison. He has oh, a friend who has a... A friend who says there's nothing in the Bible about suicide. The friend believes that suicide is okay, go to heaven. However, my dad does not believe that a Christian should commit suicide and and we don't know if they'd go to heaven or not. And she wants us to expound on that, Alex. You and I talked about this one earlier because it is such an important issue because you don't want to take that way out. That is not what God has in mind, is it? No. Um, I, I would say that the Bible, uh, and in three ways, does address suicide. I mean, you've got uh, Saul, King Saul, who killed himself, and Judas Iscariot did. So two examples of suicide in the Bible are both very negative. Negative. But uh, the sixth commandment. I think, addresses suicide because it says thou shalt not commit murder, and that would include thou shalt not commit self-murder. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says we are not our own. So I want to say, um, as a Christian, no, suicide is never, never, never justified. Now, somebody might say, yeah, but I'm saved. Uh, well, I want to tell you, Bert, while I do believe in eternal security, I really do, There are equally good, godly people that don't believe in eternal security. And um, I'll never forget, 34 years ago, I went to hear Pat Robertson speak. He came to Greensboro, and somebody asked this question and said, well, if I'm saved and life is hard, I could just end my own life. Pat Robertson, I felt like this was very wise. He said, God's mercies are very great, but I would hate to presume upon them. Amen. Uh, Folks... um, I understand life is hard. There's so many things 
um, if you're feeling hopelessness or you think, you know, I would just be better off dead, no, get counseling, get help. But I would say from the if anybody had incentive not to commit suicide, it's a born-again Christian. Because with Christ, there's always hope. Uh, the Bible, if you're a Christian, you believe the Bible, it says don't commit murder, and that would include self-murder. But thirdly, let me just say this, uh, our, our body, our life is not our own. And if you woke up this morning and you're in the land of the living, I've got to believe Almighty God has a good purpose for it. Amen. I agree with you fully, and we hope that helps. And uh, just pass that on. And uh, we're praying that anyone out there who is contemplating suicide, get help. Don't stay in that condition. Get someone that can help. Call a number, suicide hotline. Do something and and say, oh, I, I don't need to stay here. It's not the place God wants you. Thank you so much. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to William. William, welcome. Hello. Yes, thank Hi. you for calling today, man. Well, I just I just had a little quick question for you. Okay. Uh, this, uh, it, over when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back over Nebuchadnezzar uh, demanded everybody to bow down, and if you don't bow down when you hear the music and all this stuff, will you be cast in the far? They was cast in the far. But it don't mention about Daniel. Did he bow down, or what happened to him right about there? Okay, William, great question. And, Alex, uh, I've heard that question. It's a good question. Let me say this, and, Alex, you take it away. At this point in time, Daniel had been elevated into one of the leaders there. He was not just a, a guy that was part of the cabinet. He was a leader and chances and a possibility of him being somewhere representing the government. I've heard that, uh, you know, or they would not dow, uh, would not dare deal with Daniel because of his favor. Uh, but there's no doubt that Daniel did not bow. The evidence is too strong at the beginning and at the end of Daniel's life, isn't it? Well, you know, Daniel 248 which we've oftentimes, uh, it's interesting that we've talked about, um, he was made governor over the wise men of Babylon, but Daniel 2.48 talks about the fact that he was uh, leader over the entire province of Babylon. At least he was working for um, Nebuchadnezzar. So uh, where was he during the fiery furnace episode? You know, everything, uh, it's speculative, because the Bible doesn't say... It's interesting that they say that ancient Babylon, the city was 55 miles by 55 miles. I mean, that's a big area, you know, uh, besides this kingdom, but just the city. Um, Bert, he could have been a lot of places. We just don't know. But uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace. Daniel wasn't there. And he'd get in the lion's den later. I think that shows you who he is and what kind of man and notice when I just got to say this, I don't want to preach a sermon on it, but it's it's powerful. He purposed in his heart early on in his life. Uh, yeah. We have teenagers that listen on their way home with their parents, youngers, youngsters that are children in, in grade school at home, they're homeschooling. Purpose in your heart early that you're going to trust God and you're going to follow him and do what he says. By the way, that phone number, 888-589-8840. We've got a lot of lines open after we talk to Christy in Texas. Christy, welcome. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I apologize that I missed your exposition on um, Chapter 8 because uh, this is my questions related to that. Um, why is wisdom referred to as in the feminine throughout the entire book? And is wisdom Jesus? Because the description in chapter 8 sounds like him being involved in creation from Genesis 1 and John 1. You know, so I think wisdom is describing Jesus. Um, So that's kind of my question. Well, Christy? Listen, your observation is the same one Alex and I had, that this sure sounds like Jesus. And why is it her 
Uh, I, I believe it's because men search for, look for, and desire for just the way we are for uh, our wives. We're to, so we're to desire wisdom that way to to have it with us, and I think that's the reason. By the way, and Alex, we don't have any phone calls lined up right yet, but I wanted to give this. And Christy, I don't know if you've got a computer, but you can go and look and see what we said about that with our podcast. You can go to AFR.net, and you can see podcast, and then scroll, uh, scroll down to Exploring the Word and look for that date. And or It just doesn't say the date. It will give you that chapter so you can look to see and listen to what we said. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, it's interesting. There are a lot of um, literary devices that Hebrew writing uses, and, you know, um, a Proverbs, the early chapters of Proverbs, and of course, especially Proverbs 8, you know, she, it, it often is used as, as like a feminine, she stands on the top of high places, she cries at the gates, and one writer said this, just like there's contrast between light and dark, truth and error, righteousness and wickedness, life and death, well, to try to drive it home, there is the contrast between male and female, the use. And so wisdom, uh, it, it is Christ, but in a way, what they're trying to do is to make something tangible and abstract, I'm sorry, intangible and abstract. They're trying to make it very uh, tangible and concrete. And just like a faithful, godly wife, we know that's a, a woman, well, just as a faithful, godly wife is a man's best companion, well, wisdom is a best companion for a man or for any person. So it's uh, they theorize that that's part of the reason that Solomon paints wisdom in a feminine gender. She, just like your life's most closest companion, a godly wife, well, wisdom will be your great companion as well. Thank you, Christy. Hey, people, you responded. Now we got to answer these questions quickly. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Kevin from Mississippi. Yes. Go right ahead with your question. Hey, I just uh, I'm, I heard some things. I've always believed in the pre-tribulation rapture, but I heard some things that disturbed me a little bit, and I was just wondering what you guys thought about that. Okay, Alex, since we got these calls, answer that quickly. You and I have talked about this many times. Make that uh, help Kevin out. Well, you know, uh, equally good, godly, well-intentioned people, uh, we agree that Christ is going to return. But even within that point of orthodoxy that Jesus will literally return, um, there are people that disagree over the, the minutia of eschatology, that is Bible prophecy. Now, me, uh, I early on, I came to believe in what I later learned is often called premillennialism. I, I didn't know anything about anything. I just read the Bible, and it seemed kind of sequential. Okay, there's going to be this catching away, rapture, tribulation, Armageddon, return, millennium, new heavens and new earth. It seems very sequential. And that that is, I believe, the best way to look at Bible prophecy. Yeah. Um, I will say this, for the first couple of hundred years of Christianity, if you read many of the early church, they were they might not have been apostles with Jesus, but they knew some of the apostles that had been with Christ. The, the belief about the end times by the early church is very much like that. They believed that the earth would get worse and worse, and ultimately there would be this time of wrath, the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation, and Christ would return. Now, um, Bert, I'm not going to say that people who aren't premillennial are heretics. They're not. They're not. I mean, denial of premillennialism is not heresy. Denial of Christ's return, now that's we his, got a problem. his physical, visible return. Exactly. But I, I am going to say this, and I'm only speaking for myself here. Twenty years ago, the Left Behind books made a huge, huge splash. And I know within publishing and within some theological circles, there was almost like this overreaction against premillennialism because it was really kind of a, a fad, 
of pushback against the Left Behind series of books. And so um, we could do a whole show on this, but let, let me say premillennialism is one way to look at prophetic scripture, and it's what I believe, but I, I can respectfully give grace to those who who don't believe that. Amen. That's so true. Let's go to Mississippi. Josh, welcome. Hey, thanks. Uh, quick question. It's on uh, a question I was asked by my 15-year-old daughter. She's uh, reading her Bible. She asked me that um, those that are saved when we die, do we go directly to heaven um, right away? Okay. Josh, thank you. The answer is those of you saved, we die, we go to heaven. Our bodies does remain. Our soul, our spirit, who we really are without the tabernacle, as passage says, go to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Someone has said it this way. While we're saying goodbye down here, we're saying hello in heaven. And I believe that's accurate, Alex. Amen. Good, good word. Okay, let's try to get at least one more. Mark from Oklahoma, welcome. Hey, you guys, thank you. Um, I've uh, talked to so many Christians lately that uh, do not believe it's discussed in the Bible or pointed out in the Bible to cohabitate before marriage, and it seems to me it, it directly is with the woman at the well when he said the man that you are with, and uh, whether they're having sex or not, they say it's not discussed in the Bible. What do you think? Oh, wow. What's the word fornication have in that mind, Alex? Well, fornication is sex between two people that aren't married. That's right. and the Bible says that we are to flee fornication. I mean, there are plenty of verses. First uh, Corinthians 5, 1 uh, is sexual sin that is not to be tolerated by the church. And in, in Romans, it talks about this. And uh, i got to say this, though, that uh, you probably don't ever hear this preached on in churches nowadays. And, Bert, salvation is not to be licensed. And when God lays down these boundaries that we are not to commit adultery or fornication, adultery is cheating on your spouse. Fornication is unmarried people engaging in sex outside the bounds of marriage. God laid down these boundaries because he loves us. And I got to tell you, uh, as a pastor and preacher, I've, I've counseled hundreds of people. I've never, ever had anybody say, you know, I committed fornication, and boy, I'm glad. Best decision I ever made. No, but I've had many weep tears. Uh, tears of regret and remorse. Uh, as well, I've been there and seen it, and then they, they say, yeah, but we're engaged. Listen, I've seen engagements broken, and uh, listen, it's unwise. I think it's uh, the Bible makes it plain, fornication sin, and it's also unwise, Alex. Yeah. It's just you're giving part of your heart away, and you need to save that heart, the whole heart, for the, you know, the Bible says the wife of your youth, And that's exactly right. Maggie, sorry we couldn't get to you. Try to call back tomorrow. We'd love to talk with you. But while we're going away, we want everybody to tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but we want everybody to tell somebody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.